اکثریت دخترها و زنان افغان با خشم و تهدید و تغییر و لطکوب پدر، برادر و شوهر مواجه میشن. رادیکالیزم دینی و مذهبی، ارزش های سنتی، اعتقادات قومی و سیاسی و اجتماعی باعث میشن که مردای افغان از خود تعویض جنسیتی، سکسزم یا جنسگرایی، تنگ نظری و تعصب و پیشداوری نسبت به دختر و خواهر و خانم خود نشان بدن. دوستو سلام به قسمت چل نومه پادکست جدی میوان خوش آمدیم دری برنامه که دومین اپیسود کتابخانه جدی میوان است موفق شدم باز هم با مهمان یا بهتر از بگویم میزبان مشترکم گفتمان دلچسب داشته باشم کتاب را که معرفی میکنیم کتاب ایجوکیتد یا تحصیل کرده اثر تارا وستوور است کتابی که در اصل یک کتاب خاطرات است خاطرات تلخ و شیرینه که به ما از سخترین گوشه های زندگی یک دختر امریکایی قسم میکنه تارا در کتاب خود محرومیت ها و محدودیت هایی را که باید تعمل میکرد توصیف میکنه و ما از دردناکترین و سخترین لحظات زندگی خود میگه کتاب تحصیل کرده نخستین بار در سال 2018 منتشر شد تارا در عیده های امریکا و در خانواده مرمون به دنیا آمد مرمونزم یک شاخه از دین مسیحیت است که در قرن 19 توسط جوزف سمیت در نیویورک ایجاد شد. پدر تارا وستوور یک مذهبی افراتی بود و در این حال از اختلال دو قطبی رنج می برد. یعنی یک بیمار روانی بود. بیماری و باورهای مذهبی خاصش البته باعث میشه که نسبت به حکومت امریکا، پلیس، خدمات صحی و در کل نسبت به مدارس دولتی بدگمان شود. در نتیجه تارا و برخ از برادرایش اجازه ندارن مکتب برن و درس بخوانن چون پدرشان فکر میکنه مکتب جاییست که اطفال شستشوی مغزی میکنن خانواده تارا اقدر از جامعه دور بودن که هیچ کس نبود تا از تحصیل فرزندایی خانواده اطمینان حاصل کنن زمانی که یکی از برادرای تارا موفق میشه به کالج را بیفه او وقت است که تارا نیز تصمیم میگیره نو زندگی جدید را امتحان کنه تلاش تارا برای کسب دانش او را دگرگون میکنه و باعث میشه که تارا پس از تای کردن یک راه طولانی در دانشگاه هاروارد و کمبریج درس بخونه کتاب تحصیل کرده در واقع یک قصه جذاب و هنرمندانه تلاش یک انسان برای آغاز و ساخت ساز یک زندگی مستقل و تازه است ما زمانی که کتاب تحصیل کرده را میخواندم به فکر دخترها و خانمای مظلوم و معصوم افغان افتادم دخترها و زنان افغانه که به دلیل رسم و رسوم و عنانات فرسوده و زشت افغانی باید شب روز احساس بدره تجربه کنند امروز یک دختر افغان به دلیل همین نو تعصبات مثلا اینکه زن و مرد باید جدا از همدیگه و در انزوا زندگی کنند ای که گویا مردهای افغان در مقایسه با زن افغان برتری دارند ای که مثلا هیچ زن حق نداره بدون محرم از خانه بیرون بره یا سفر کنه ای که جایگاه و وظیفه یک زن افغان در خانه و آشپزخانه است ای که باید حجاب اجباری بسر کنه 
ای که زن و مرد مساوی نیستن نه در این دنیا و نه در آخرت و ای که زنان از نظر ذهنی ناقص هستند همه پدیده های مزخرف افغانی در طول تاریخی کشور باعث شدن که زن و دختر افغان رنج ببره توهین و تغییر شوه آزار ببینه و مورد تعویض قرار بگیره همین نو دیدگاه زندگی و زن بود که در نهایت اندیشه طالبانی را به وجود آورد جهانبینی طالب در میریخ به وجود نامده اندیشه طالبانی نتیجه سنت های دیرینه افغانی است و هیچ افغان از این واقعیت تلخ نباید چشم پوشی کنه طالب مسئولیت دست جمعی و در نهایت نتیجه آگاهی جمعی 38 میلیون افغان است شما زمانی که به دخترها اجازه نمیتین که دوستای خود داشته باشه با جامعه که در زندگی میکنه در تماس باشه انتخاب داشته باشه ارزش های خود را داشته باشه بتونه آزادانه بیاندیشه آزادانه نظر خود را بیان کنه تحصیل کنه شغل مورد علاقه خود را انتخاب کنه و و و اگر شما با این همه آزادی های فردی و انسانی مشکل دارین در صورت شما بخش از راه حل نه بلکه بخش از مشکل هستین شما از طالب بی فرهنگ کرده او قدرم که فکر میکنین بهتر نیستین طالبم این همه را جدی میگیره فرق طالب با شما ایست که شما نکتایی و با یک پیک شراب در دست این همه قیودات بالای دختر و خواهر و خانمتان بزور میقبولانین در حالی که طالب با ریش های دراز و با دستار و لنگی و پیرانتنبان و شلاق این و طرز فکر بالای پینجا فیصد جامعه بزور تطبیق میکنه شما بگوین آیا وقتی یک دختر افغان به دنیا میه و اولین گریه های خود را میکنه پدرش با خشم فراوان فریاد نمیکشه و نمیگه که چرا دختر است و کاش که پسر به دنیا میامد وقتی دختر افغان اولین قدم های خود را به طرف مادر میگذاره آیا مادرش به قاری به طرفش نگاه نمیکنه و نمیگه اگه بچه میبودی من حالا پیش خسرانم و پیش پدرت بیشتر ارزش میداشتم چرا دختر به دنیا آمدی؟ دختر افغان وقتی مکتب میره آیا پول کتاب و قلمشه برای برادر کوچکش بوت فوتبال و باسکل نمیخرن؟ فقط به دلیل ازی که پسر است؟ وقتی دختر افغان سر دسرخان میشینه غذایوره برای برادر بزرگش نمیتن چون برادرش کار میکنه؟ دختره که افغان وقتی به طرف کوچه میره که با همسن سالش بازی کنه دستش نمیگیرن و به دست شوهر نمیتن تا فامیل از فقر نجات بده آیا با این کارشان کودکی دختره که افغانه نمیفروشن و به دامنش اولاد خودشه نمیشانن وقتی در خانه شوهر جوان شد از سرش کلای امیده بر نمیدارن و بجایش چادر مادری ره نمیگذارن وقتی بزرگ شد و فهمید که در اطرافش چی میگذره و زمانه که به پشت سرش نگاه میکنه آیا دست و پایشه کودکان گریان و نالان نمیگیرن و مادر صداش نمیکنن وقتی خود را به زمین خم میکنه تا اولادهای جگرگوشی خود را از زمین برداره سیل آب عشق سرزمین صورتشه آبیاری نمیکنه وقتی مریض میشه و نزد دکتر میره دکتر ازش میپرسه چند سال استی مادر آیا به طرف دکتر نگاه نمیکنه و نمیگه تفلیت نداشتم جوانی ما فروختن و بهایش مریضی امروزه برم دادن تو حساب که دکتر که چند سال سن دارم دخترک افغان به این شکل جوان نشده پیر میشه و مریض شده میمره و روی سنگ قبرشم مینویسن مادر فلانی و ای هم داستان یک دختر افغان ولی به هر حال 
یک دلیل مهمه که چرا کتاب تحصیل کرده را انتخاب کردیم داستان غمانگیز دخترها و خانمای افغان بود کتاب تارا وستوورم از همین نوع مشکلات سخن میگه و هدف اصلی نویسنده افزایش آگاهی مردم و بلخصوص پدران و برادران متعصب و افرادی است ناگفتن همانه که کتاب تحصیل کرده جوایز زیاد را از آن خود کرده در سال 2018 برنده جایزه بهترین کتاب خاطرات و خود زندگی نامه شد و ضمناً یکی از پرفروشترین کتاب‌های نیویورک تایمز شد. روزنامه گاردین، واشنگتن پست و تایم مگزین کتاب تحصیل کرده را هر کدام به نوبه خود کتاب سال انتخاب کردند. تارا وستوبر در حال حاضر یک تاریخ نگار و یک نویسنده موفق است. کتاب تحصیل کرده سرگذشت او را از کودکی تا حدود سی سالگی در بر میگیره داستان تارا وستوور داستان شگفتانگیز و در واقع یک داستان الهام بخش است کتاب خاطرات فراموش ناشدنی یک دختر جوان اثر گیرا یک اثر شخصی شوکت کننده جالب و موثر اگر از شنیدن برنامه های مورد علاقتان لذت میبرین و علاقه دارین که برنامه های بهتر را خدمتتان پیشکش کنیم پس لطفا لایک و سابسکرایب فراموش نکنین همچنان تشکر میکنم از شنوندای عزیزی که لطف میکنن و برنامه ها را با دیگه دوستا به اشتراک میگذارن خب و حالا ای شما و ای هم اپیزود دوم کتابخانه جاده میواند با مهمان دوزاشتنیم دوست، همسر، عشق و شریک و رفیق زندگیم فرنگیز، سیدی second episode of Jodi Maimon's Library. Uh, I know we had promised listeners uh, that this time I would be sitting on the hot seat. Um, but after some serious deliberation and consultation, we decided to rather have you um, as our permanent guest of the show presenting books. Why? Because you are a much better talker and explainer than I could ever be. Um, I have to be honest. Also, Uh, you have a much better taste for books than I do. Uh, and on top of that, listeners have responded very positively to our previous episode. Uh, the episode about Yumi Park's book, In Order to Live, has, believe it or not, uh, been one of our most popular uh, and listened to episodes of the podcast, for which I'm very grateful. Also, dear listener, we have decided to host these uh, book club episodes in English. And this has several reasons. Uh, first of all, uh, we have read the books in English, so I think uh, we all would agree uh, that it's uh, only fair uh, that we review and discuss them in English. Uh, we both love the English language. Uh, it's beautiful, it's universal, it's accessible. Uh, we believe speaking English actually broadens our world and it gives us uh, the ability to relate to people from across the globe. Uh, after all, English is the lingua franca. Uh, everywhere nowadays, uh, whether we like it or not. 
Um, then another reason, I mean, speaking, listening and reading English hopefully will also improve our own language skills. So it's an intellectual challenge, if you will, uh, that we both have accepted. Uh, so we have our own selfish reasons for it, if you will. Um, and finally, we assume that uh, most of our Jodi Maiwan's listeners, uh, and I, I would bet that would be the majority, are quite familiar with the English language and uh, can actually follow our conversations. Uh, this um, kind of gave us the confidence and was um, obviously an important factor uh, for us to switch to English. Also, please uh, note that we are both recovering from a cold. Uh, so if you detect any change in our voice um, or if you wonder why we uh, sound like two ducks, uh, well, that's the reason. Um, all right, so... That was a little bit of housekeeping for today. And uh, having said that, I think uh, we have a lot to cover and uh, talk about uh, and to discuss uh, regarding um, uh, what has been happening around the world, uh, especially in Afghanistan, where girls just got banned uh, from getting an education and uh, women are no longer allowed to work, uh, not to go outside without a male overlord. Um, basically, um, a little bit of a prison, if you will. Uh, that's what's happening over there for a lot of people. Uh, but before all of that, uh, I would like to welcome my lovely co-host for the Jodi Maiwand Book Club, our very own mystery guest, who I believe has decided to reveal her true identity today. Um, my dear mystery guest, are you ready to finally give us a proper bio and uh, tell our listeners about yourself and about your background? Actually, before you introduce yourself, um, as always, can I perhaps get you something to drink first? Uh, first of all, hi to all the listeners and hi to you, Maivan. Hi. Hey. Well, today is a little bit tricky because the topic we're going to discuss is super heavy. But because we're speaking about education, we need to be sober. So perhaps some sparkling water? Ah, that's a great choice. Yes, uh -huh. I'm in. So let me uh, make you a drink. Cheers. Cheers. To your health. So this is our second book review of the year and probably the last review uh, for this year at least. And once again, welcome on the show. And thank you. Thank you for doing this. And uh, But before uh, we introduce and review the book you have chosen for this episode, um, would you just, uh, would you mind introducing yourself? Um, I'm sure uh, listeners are quite eager to know who they're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> well, those who know me and I think know you uh, kind of guessed it on the first go so I don't know how much mystery there was left <laughs> but uh, no I don't go by Shinawande uh, Aziz my name is Farange Saidi but these days I go by Farah Saidi I'm 34 years old uh, born in Afghanistan but grew up in Denmark and uh, now I live in the beautiful Netherlands with the two great loves of my life first my uh, very sweet dog Sparta, and uh, and then you. Um, since we were speaking of about education, so my educational background is in business law and sociology, and these days I work in a corporation. Uh, so I guess I'm using both degrees in the most untraditional way. Well, that's quite interesting. Uh, first of all, thank you very much, uh, my dearest Farah, uh, for that lovely introduction. Uh, that was short and sweet, and I appreciate it. 
Um, so you studied um, business and law and sociology, but you ended up in in the corporate world. You said, "Now this is quite interesting." I'm not sure how common this is, but it seems um, that you exchanged the uh, dry academic world um, for the exciting world of business and commerce. Um, was this a conscious choice? Uh, well, uh, I think it was a conscious, unconscious choice. The best thing about business is that different people with different walks in life can be very successful if they're passionate about the product. So now the company I work for, I'm quite passionate about the mission, but also the solutions we have. And I truly believe that we empower every person, every organization on the planet to achieve more. I'm not going to mention names, but I'm sure that a lot of people know this uh, mission statement. And I truly believe in that. And actually, today's book is also where maybe the corporation I work for has played a role. Well, that's great. Seems uh, seems to me that it was your calling. Um, <laughs> so I, I suppose we uh, we all carve out a little bit of space uh, for ourselves with regards to our career choices. Um, I guess, although not not everyone gets to enjoy an education, let alone a uh, you know, appreciate a, a profession or a career path uh, that they can be proud of. Uh, anyhow, um, what is uh, so? Tell us a little bit uh, about uh, your hobbies. I mean, uh, what do you do in your free time and w- when you're not in corporate? <laughs> well, in my free time, um, I think it's quite obvious that I like reading. I love to wine and dine with friends uh, and explore new countries and cultures, and then I. Uh, I'm trying to burn the whining and dining in in the gym at least three times a week. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so that's very short what I do. Other than that, uh, I spend a lot of time, of course, with uh, my dog, Sparta. Mm. Uh-huh. Of course you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I guess without uh, further ado, uh, let us now turn to the book that you have chosen for us for this episode. Um, so tell us, what is the title of the book and who is the author? I must say I'm quite excited to discuss this book with you today because it's one of my favorite books. I uh, when when I got it for first time, I believe I read it over one night, but I called in sick the next morning at work because I hadn't sleep a whole night, and I uh, I, I, I reread it right away. Um, the book is called uh, Educated by Tara Westover. Um, I remember, you know, when you first uh, read the book, uh, you were quite emotional and it had um, quite an impact on you. Um, So what is the book about? Can you perhaps give us a short summary? Of course. In short, Educated is an unforgettable memoir about a young girl who was kept out of school, leaves her survivalist family and goes on to earn a PhD from Cambridge University. Sarah Westover grew up in a Mormon family that didn't believe in public schooling. Instead, she was taught the beliefs of a religiously fanatic and paranoid father who most likely also had bipolar disorder. However, Tara eventually gained her independence in an amazing education that led her to becoming a doctor in history. Sadly, Tara continued Education meant that she was forced to break ties with her parents and other members of her family that she once held very dear. But this was the price she had to pay in order to remain a free individual. 
in in very short, my man, this is what the book is about. I don't want to go too much into details because I believe that every listener should listen to this, especially looking at what's going on right now in Afghanistan <clears throat> with Taliban's ban on education and ban on, I would say even ban on women. And I'm also very happy to announce that this book is also translated into Persian, so Dari. It is available online. We can try to see if we can find the links and, and provide it to your listeners as Yes, well. yes, definitely. This is uh, what I was thinking about as well. So, dear listener, no worries. I'll put out the links in the description uh, so you can all find the book, um, both in Farsi and in English. So that's not a problem. Um, so basically, it's um, I guess you, you have chosen another memoir and uh, th- this time uh, from another amazing and courageous human being, Tara Westover, who um, manages to escape a cult, if you will, um, to pursue her dream, uh, to basically get educated. Um, it's, it's quite a remarkable story um, where Tara, you know, the author, gives, us, um, gives the reader an account of uh, her years of struggle to basically you know, invent or reinvent herself through education, if you will. Um, so who's the book for? Who's the intended audience of the book? So as I mentioned, I believe this book is for everyone, especially every Afghan right now. So to your first question, yes, I've chosen another memoir of another strong girl who has, uh, against all odds, uh, shown her resilience to become something extraordinary. In Yaomi's case, <laughs> the extraordinary was to survive because she was from North Korea. In Tara's case, it's to get an education from one of the top universities in the world. In both cases, and I think in all uh, memoir, it shows about hope, about resilience, and the will. As one of your favorite philosophers said once, if you know the wise, you will find the anyhow's. I think this is the essence of these memoir, at least these two. Yes, no, that's a great quote from Friedrich Nietzsche, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> And uh, to your second question, I believe uh, educated is for everyone, uh, especially right now. I believe, as I mentioned earlier, that Afghans should read it. Uh, any, uh, it shows the educa- importance of education, of course, that's the book about. But it also shows the importance of our family, the way we grow up, of what it means to be completely isolated from the mainstream. And I also believe that this book, and this is why I got very emotional, as you mentioned earlier as well, is that this book, even though it happens in the mountains of Idaho in America, is so close that I saw it in my neighbor's home growing up. Girls being isolated from the mainstream, not being allowed to participate as an equal member of the society, and was denied the most basic human right which is the right to education because of their religion because of their well actually I take it back I'm not sure if it's only because of their religion but because of the paranoia of their parents especially fathers and brothers so I would say dear listener if you're for or against education please take the time and read or listen to this book I think it's uh, it's going to leave its mark in your heart. 
Yes, no, I, I fully agree with that. And I just to add on to the audience that you, you just mentioned, I think, uh, you know, listener, if, if you um, love memoirs, you should read this book. And uh, I would also say anyone interested, you know, to have a look inside a Mormon family, I, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, you should read it as well and um, and see what is going on in Mormonism. I mean, uh, this is also, this book is for curious readers, you know, who are interested in the role of education and how education actually shapes human beings and human minds, their communities and their societies. Uh, but maybe above all, um, it's also a book for those uh, with strong and rigid, uh, you know, fundamental religious beliefs. And this is what I would say uh, uh, would also be the intended audience for this book. Actually, over time, I have recommended this book for very different people from all walks and paths of life. From a super young, talented, high achiever to the one who struggled in life. And they all found hope in this book. They all found a meaning. They uh, They found actually that whatever your struggle could be professional, privately. From Tara's resilience, you could learn. And I think uh, it's the same thing, I would say, to your listeners. All right. I guess, you know, just like Yomi Park's book um, that we uh, discussed in our first episode, um, Educated is also a memoir. Um, and you seem interested in memoirs. Um, so what is it about memoirs that uh, make them such interesting reads, you think? They say reality is stranger than fiction, right? I think yeah. <laughs> I think these uh, memoirs uh, are about very uh, normal, if you could put it, perhaps uh, even less than average uh, girls from different societies, and yet they do something extraordinary. And for me, it's interesting to read and understand why, how, mm-hmm. how do you find that strength to put yourself through college? How do you find the strength to to survive in North Korea, yes. or to 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 live in uh, in Auschwitz, I think it, it it explores something in human, the very nature of being human, right. and we have been privileged that uh, some people choose to tell their story, and all we have to do is write read them. Yes, no, I fully agree with that, and I think, you know, on top of that, obviously, I mean. Um, a memoir or memoirs generally kind of allow us to also see perspectives, right, um, outside of our own and, and kind of teaches us um, empathy and compassion. So these two things are obviously important if you're interested in, uh, if you're interested in, in coexistence, right? Uh, and needless to say, but reading memoirs obviously um, helps us to kind of broaden our knowledge of the world um, it, as I said before, it gives us, you know, perspectives, new perspectives. Um, uh, you can see things from a you know, different point of view. You have an opportunity to, um, uh, to read about different cultures and human experiences. And uh, also, I mean, relive maybe a part of the history that you're not maybe born into. Because a lot of memoir happens under extraordinary historical circumstances. Yes, Yes, so so in that sense, I mean, they can be quite inspiring, right, as well, and quite empowering. Uh, so, you know, I believe, you know, Educated is, is such a memoir as well, so, and uh, and it should be read, uh, obviously, by as many people as possible, <laughs> and I think we both agree on that, so. All right, so w- let me ask you another question then. Um, what do you think the 
uh, or, or why do you think uh, the author chose to write her story? I think it's for two reasons. A, writing can also be quite therapeutic for herself. B, I also think that she wanted to give hope to the world that it is possible. It is possible to not exist on paper until you're 17 and just an incident can change your mind to actually you start to think, okay, I want to have an education too and the basic reason is that I want to get out of this situation I'm in because her brother began also to be very violent against her when she started to be a teenager, right? So she wanted to get out of the situation. And she taught herself to read, write, mathematics, physics, you name it, enough to come, uh, enough to get admission to university or to college, as they call it in America. So I think for her, she wanted to also invoke that hope into other girls that is maybe going through similar paths in, in different circumstances. And also maybe to say a favel to that part of her life. Mm. Like ending it, like basically saying, okay, this was the chapter. Yes, yes, no, I agree. And, you know, uh, as you already mentioned, I mean, it's it's obviously to inform people about what happened uh, in her own life and and also to kind of literally to, to educate others, right? To increase awareness and, um, as you said, you know, writing also helps people generally, uh, you know, whether you're a professional writer or not, I mean, it definitely helps to process your past uh, in, a, in a way. And writing helps with that psychologically. It is, um, for a lot of people, it is therapeutic, right? And um, and also it, it helps others in similar situations. So I, I'm, I'm personally very grateful uh, for all these memoirs and especially, I mean, Tara Westover's. Uh, what do you like most about the book, if, uh, if I may ask? Everything. <laughs> well, not necessarily the struggles you go through. But I think it's really well written. It's not written in a victimized uh, way. So mm. it's not about, oh, look how sad it is for me. It's ri- written very objective, from a third person's perspective almost. You sense any self-pity? In that's what you don't. Okay. And that's what's amazing about Tara, I think. Mm. Well, I must say that uh, when, uh, you know, in America, it, it, it is quite expensive to get an education. And for Tara coming from the, a Mormon family, but also to, from the mountains of Idaho, where she spent her life to basically get ready to end the world, uh, or to, to the world ending. Once she gets her college and university, right, the second part comes where, how do you fund your schooling? And there you can see the kindness of people, where you just lose hope in all humanity almost, when you read her story and you're like, how... How can a father do this to her own daughter? How can a mother do this to her son? How can a brother be like this? Then you regain it again by strangers' kindness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I, I will say that uh, it was also a, a, a really great foundation, which I'm personally also very fond of, Gates Foundation, that helped her through the last part. But that's just the last part. The Gates Foundation actually helped her with her education? Well, she wins a scholarship. She's that amazing of a student. So not only that she goes on to get us a, 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 a education, she actually goes on to get a, a, a education with honors. What, so she wins actually the... And you know what the funny thing is? If your listeners are interested, here is a little bit of uh, fun fact. Is that when uh, 
so Bill Gates interviews her and talks about this, uh, and she says that you know that I won the Gates scholarship, and that's really surprises Gates. He had no clue about it. And that is that kind of foundation that I believe should be more in the world, that where you really help people, you help these individuals in America and other places in the world. So I believe that was my favorite part. Uh, But it's definitely her story, her resilience, but also how did she make it? Like sometimes how circumstances come, like you just make it and that next step means everything to you. Yeah. So yeah, that was my favorite part. And perhaps also... The part where, like, about her struggle with her family. Because I I know a lot of people go through that. It's not my favorite part, but I think it's a part that you can definitely learn a lot from. Yeah. No, to me personally, I mean, uh, it, it's really moving, basically, to read her story. I mean, it, it was powerful. Um, it's also fascinating and, and disturbing, as you said, you know, um, at the same time. And it, it's extremely well written, first of all. I mean, from not having a birth certificate, as you mentioned, to now being a successful historian. I mean, she perfectly tells her uh, personal story of um, escaping a hellish and controlling environment um, to make uh, to make her life better. As uh, simple as that. Um, what I personally liked uh, about the book and um, about the story is that Tara shows how eventually it is you and your beliefs against the world. Um, and no amount of self-pity can uh, can do for you what a hard work can, right? You just have to work hard for this, uh, for these things. Um, um, also well, for your education. I mean, uh, in that sense, it's an absolute delight and a marvelous read, if, if you will. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I you, must challenge one thing you say, Myron. I agree with you fully, and you're absolutely right. But you said something that triggered me. You said that uh, if you work hard enough, she is lucky to be born in Af- in, in America where sh- she had the right to education. Huh, yes. So you can work as hard you want, yes. but if you're born in Afghanistan right now, does it really matter? Yeah, no, well, I, well while I was saying that, obviously <laughs> I was assuming that every country, every single country on this planet, people of the world should have uh, a right education so that was my basic assumption when i said that and obviously that has now changed right there is this one country in the world which doesn't allow girls to get an education we're going to talk about that um mm-hmm. so um anyways i think about this book i i really think it's an emotional roller coaster uh, in, in a way and it triggers all sorts of emotions to me personally i mean it, it gave when it comes to emotions um i mean there was hope right when you're reading it, uh, there's joy involved. I mean, there's gratitude, there's awe, excitement, curiosity, all these things um, somehow get provoked, right, in you uh, as a reader when you read the book. So uh, that's what I really enjoyed as well. Um, So uh, were there any quotes or passages in the book that kind of stood out for you um, as a reader? Yes, there were. And uh, I will try to read it for you now. Everything. I had worked for all my years of study had been to purchase for myself this one privilege to see and experience more truth than those given to me by my father and to use those truths to construct my own mind. I had come to believe that the ability to evaluate many ideas, many history, many points of views was the heart of what it means 
to self-create. If I yield now, I would lose more than an argument. I'll lose custody of my own mind. This was the price I was being asked to pay. I understood that now. What my father wanted to cast from me wasn't a demon. It was me. Hmm. Why did you choose this specific quote? I think this is the very heart of the book. I think this is the struggle that Tara has to live with for the rest of her life. A lot of time in, in Tara's life comes the choice between herself from a very young age, between herself, what she wanted, her identity, and what her family wants, what her father wanted. And sometimes, and, and especially the pa- last part where she says that I understood that now, the price she was basically being asked to pay was her yes. dignity, her yes. everything from her. And I think also that this is true for a lot of girls and boys uh, around the world, that they cannot be the tr- their true selves in the societies they're born, in the families they grew up in. Sometimes it's not that people want a demon out of you, it's really you. Yes, and, and I think, you know, in, in that sense, I mean, this again, shows the power of education, right? I mean, not getting an education is basically the same as not existing, right? That's what this quote is telling me. Um, You may exist as a ghost, but not as a full-fledged human being, right? Because if with no education, as you can, you know, she says, this was a price I was being asked to pay. I understood that now. What my father wanted to cast from me wasn't a demon, it was me. Now, it was me in the sense of, you know, me my personal me, the, the human being that I individual. am, the in- individual that I could be, right? That I, de- I had the potential to become. And that was being taken away from me. Now that's the power of education, right? I agree. But you can also say this about uh, a boy who grew up uh, uh, as, uh, as gay in, 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 in a very religious background, that they also wanted to cast away the demon, but it's them. So you can say this about a lot of things, a lot of times. Yes, but isn't that also lack of education when people think in those terms when it comes to gays? I don't think it's necessarily lack of education because there's a lot of educated people who believe nonsense. So I'm not sure if it's lack of education per se. Maybe the right type of education then. That could be discussed, but, uh, but just for the record that no one should ever struggle because who they are. They should be able to be who they are. And parents should actually. Yes, but don't you think education helps with that? You know, oh, of if course. if you without without the proper education, right? How can anyone ever know who he or she actually is? You know, I I really think that when it comes to educating yourself, it is not just me reading books and going to school and sitting in classrooms. It is more than that. It is me basically trying to find myself true knowledge that I gain from the world. Okay. There is this interaction between me and the world and that helps me create my, my own world and my, you know, um, sharpen my own mind and think about the world. That's what education also does. Well, in that sense, I agree with you because if, it, if we are talking about education as wisdom or learning from the world, as you put it, and not only necessarily a, a, a degree from a university, then I would agree, of course. Education does help to understand the world better, understand the things that maybe we are not comfortable with better. 
Because a lot of time now Tara, she studies history and to not understand, for example, to understand the first, Second World War or the first uh, the Constitution. Um, it's it's an eye-opening for her. All of a sudden, a lot of things make sense. And necessarily, yes. those are not the comfortable things to understand. No, exactly. And and that immediately transforms you, right? Exactly. It changes your world. And it gives you almost like a new pair of eyes. And you look at the world in a different way. And, and that's the power of education. That's the empowerment, I think, that we're talking about here. But um, So l- let's take a uh, little bit of a deeper dive into Tara's life um, and the environment she uh, grew up in. Now, Tara was raised in a Mormon family. Um, her father believed, um, you know, schools are places where kids are brainwashed and uh, that a woman's proper place uh, is in, in the home, uh, right? And this reminds me of another cult, uh, namely the Taliban, uh, the <laughs> religious fanatics, I mean, uh, who are currently controlling millions of lives and millions of minds uh, in Afghanistan. Um, you know, these these people think in similar terms uh, about women and the value of education for females. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Mormonism, perhaps? Is this um, some sort of uh, religion? Well, I'm no expert in Mormonism, I must honestly admit, and this is the first book I've ever read about it. Uh, but I believe it's uh, it is a religion, but also within Mormonism there exist different uh, degrees of how extreme you can become, if it makes sense. Like how maybe extreme is not the right word, but maybe how. Um, so you have like extremist Mormons and moderate Mormons, things like this, or <laughs> <laughs> no distinctions. Uh, well, I would believe so because back to your point of education, I've actually encountered uh, Mormons from. Uh, Utah and Idaho through my work and they, they, they were super educated uh, individuals mm-hmm. uh, so so I, I'm not sure if, if it's necessary Mormonism, that's actually a very good question if any listener knows more about Mormonism, please feel free to... Or if you're a Mormon yourself, you're welcome on the show as well. Please feel free to educate us. us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I don't know. But what I wanted to say, you compare it to Taliban, I must say one thing. Tara's father, it was not because she, he really discriminated against her brother and her. It was like all for boys and girls. Uh, so you could say there were less hypocrisy, right? In Taliban's world... Um, Apparently, they only hate women because men have all the right. They can do everything. They can have an education. They can work. They can exist. They can party, whatever they call party. Um, They can do everything. And also, what's really, for me, interesting, actually, which I wanted to discuss with you about as well, is uh, I even took notes of it, is a lot of Taliban leaders, children, right? They're in Qatar and Doha, and they're studying the daughters are studying. I mean, while they are stopping a nation of of women to stop studying. So you know, w- within the Taliban, you have, as almost always is the case when it comes to elites in a country, once they d- take over, you know, um, they have certain privileges, right? And hypocrisies start to show themselves in the world. One such hypocrisy, I would say, is that um, the children of these people, the Taliban who are currently in power, most of their own children, um, girls and uh, their boys, actually go to schools abroad in places like Pakistan and places like Doha, Qatar, and a lot of other places uh, just outside the country. So what that tells me is that they do care about education 
seems yeah. to me, right? Um, it's just that they deprive uh, millions of other people from getting an education while their own kids can enjoy. To bring it back to the book, just to, so we agree, you can say a lot about Taras Farah, and I don't have a lot good to say about him. Your view kind of changes about him throughout the book, but you, can, you can't say he's a hypocrite. Sure, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he's so not... He's he's quite consistent, consistent. In, in what he believes, right? And he truly believes that, and maybe he he's also because he doesn't go to doctors. There's also um, speculation that maybe he also has bipolar. So we can also say, okay, is it really his fault, or is it just that he's not around uh, people who can help him? So he's maybe even the victim. Yes, but here comes the role of Mormonism, right? Like Islamism, right? These isms um, are not just merely mental conditions right these are worldviews so if i just you know say a few things because while i was reading the book i was thinking about mormons and mormonism in general so just uh you know very quickly a little bit about this religion um that i you know the things that i found out on the internet is that um mormonism is basically a religious christian tradition and it started with uh, this person um joseph smith was his name he was a, if you will, a top-class opportunist. Um, this is my personal belief. <laughs> like, like so many religious... You didn't uh, find that on the internet? Well, th- you know, <laughs> this is what I found out um, uh, while reading it, uh, about it, I guess. Uh, so, you know, and then this religion was founded in New York in the 19th century. Uh, Joseph Smith compared himself to the prophet of Islam, uh, Muhammad, uh, funny enough, uh, who said that, uh, you know, he, he was called upon... Uh, to f- reform Christianity. This was uh, his calling. And in his own lifetime, he was accused of being an imposter, believe it or not, and a fraud and a charlatan. All of these things at the same time. Um, so you can easily say that it's, um, it's a sect. Um, you can say it's a mystery cult. It's a church or whatever. Or maybe all these things combined. Um, and they have a book of their own uh, called The Book of Mormon. Right? And... Um, uh, the story is that, you know, as Smith, uh, Joseph Smith himself, he dug up so-called golden tablets, you know, from places uh, to write this book. Uh, and then when people asked him about uh, about these uh, tablets, he said, I lost them. Uh, so um, anyways, they have specific doctrines such as polygamy. I mean, polygamy is, is really a thing within this uh, uh, Mormon tradition. You have uh, sexual purity. Uh, things such as homophobia, racism, sexism, and all these things are um, part of their belief systems. In that sense, I mean, it's very much similar to the cult of Talibs, uh, you know, and, um, and it seems um, stupid um, and, and a big nonsense. Uh, you know, they nevertheless um, have a substantial following, right? Same is true for Talib. Um, and, uh, and for the Mormons, it's, uh, especially in the United States. I was thinking, imagine if someone found those gold tablets or is sitting with them right now. If they really existed and someone had those gold tablets. Well, I mean, most likely there is no such thing as gold tablets. This was just all a lie. And he just um, came up with this nonsense and people just believed him. And uh, that's just, that's just my, my own uh, thinking <laughs> about cults generally, but especially about Mormonism. But still so. imagine how much they will be worth. I don't know what it would be worth, but... Um, to find gold tablets to write a whole book on? That's um, a lot of gold. Yes, the gold, yes, but not the writings, probably. <laughs> no, I was thinking of the gold. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know much about Mormonism, but I must say that 
even the other families around them found find Tara uh, like the Westover family quite extreme. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about Tara because um so she's the you know Tara's the youngest of seven children. Um uh neither herself or her siblings went to school she, she they never actually visited any hospitals um or even a doctor's office um she as we mentioned before did not even have a birth certificate because you know authorities did not even know she existed and um, no one really knows for sure where she was born um so all of that is missing right in her records and i think by the age by the age of eight um all sorts of education totally completely stopped um because before that i mean they had a little bit of opportunity and a chance you know just by the siblings uh, by themselves to kind of teach themselves a little bit of reading and writing but by the uh, age of eight actually all of that changed i mean do you remember what it was when it was that she decided to no longer accept the status quo right she said no and she said yes to something else which is like a pursuit of her dreams and to get an education it started actually with her brother her older brother Sean who gets into a terrible accident mm-hmm. and when i say terrible it's said very very lightly like a horrible one it uh, it happens actually quite a few times that uh, another sibling gets like a burn burns very severely i don't want to tell too much because then the excitement goes away no but we sh- should talk about these things i think because it <laughs> matters in the end uh, with her own decision making process exactly and then her brother sean gets into a very terrible accident and 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 her parents choose to so her parents choose to not go to the hospital not go to 911 but just let him heal at home her mother is a self uh, thought herbalist if that's a word, uh, uh, where she basically teaches or she basically cures everything with herbal medicines herbal and medicines, things like this, exactly. which they make at home, right? Exactly, yeah. or from their garden. And she's also a self-taught uh, midwife. Right. Um, but her brother uh, goes through all of this and her father basically declines uh, any kind of help, medical help they could and even she at a young age she sees this is wrong and another brother that gives her hope uh, is her brother Tyler her brother Tyler chose to get an education and go to college himself and he basically inspires her and says listen if I can do it you can do it as well and let me t- tell you how it is to get through the ACTs I believe that's called in America yes where you have to pass to go right. uh, and in America also we have to say that you can be so, uh, homeschooled so she pa- passes herself as homeschool. Uh, yes, yes. So, so, but this Tyler and and this brother. So, when he goes to college, I guess this is when. Would you say that this is when this happens? It plants a seed of curiosity in her head. Yes, and I also think that uh, the curiosity is a little bit seeded by her grandmom as well, grandmother, who encouraged her and says that tomorrow when I leave, you can leave with me and get an education in Tarak does not sleep that night and she's conflicted and at the end she chooses to not go with her grandmother but chooses to stay home and then her brother leaving and encouraging her to leave also i think it helps or helps helps her decision a little bit that when sean recovers from the incident he becomes more and more violent towards tara now we can discuss if it's the incident or the fact that tara's 
becoming a beautiful teenager, a a a a a woman, if to say so, and he starts to, and you said something before about sexual purity, and he starts to condemn her of all kind of things. So I think for her it's about getting out, and her way of getting out, what her older brother did, Tyler, yeah. is to get an education because then she will move from. Idaho, I think it's to Utah. Yes, but b- before I think she even decides for herself, you know, to get an education and get out outside of this house and this in this place. Um, I think it was um, her experience as a babysitter. I think that was when she basically got exposed to the outside world. Um, that was the moment for her, I think. And it was, I think, at that time as a teenager when she was also taking dance and voice lessons and uh, oh, yeah, in she was singing in a, in, a, in a local church or a local theater um, which you know according to her father dancing was immodest it wasn't allowed you know um, so uh, and, and Tara was obviously very talented she was a talented singer and uh, soon she was singing opera and all these things so and and also i have to mention this is quite interesting as well i mean uh, father thought that the year 2000 uh you know when people were thinking about the millennium bug and things (laughs) like this that the world was going to end right uh this is also like a hallmark of this cult right they they always uh, think that there is a moment when the world will come to an end so he started to stockpile food yeah. and uh, and weapons, and this is what the survivalist um, uh, thing comes in, right? Survivalism in the sense of you know the world is going to end, so I better uh, prepare myself. But for do that you moment. remember but in the year two thousand, a lot of people believed that. Yes, there was even yeah. movies made about it, right? Yes, there was a lot of people uh, who were thinking in those terms and who were all um, proven wrong. But uh, I'm not sure if they ever change their mind about anything because they just postponed it now, <laughs> yeah, to now they're time, just waiting so. for two, uh, three thousand or yes, something it's a way of life if you will so um but anyways i think she um she went uh, through two car crashes if i'm not mistaken in her own life uh two times with no seat belts on um her family did not accept medical help or hospital care um you know tara was in pain but her family was um was giving her spiritual healing and, uh, as you said, you know, medical herbs and all that nonsense. Uh, that obviously didn't help her. Um, and, uh, you know, Tara had memory issues and headaches and all these things, but, you know, her family uh, did not allow her to see, uh, to see a doctor. Uh, anyways, and I think at age 15 or so, Tara was beaten up by her brother because she was chatting with a friend uh, at the theater. Uh, where she was working so and um, Sean her brother attacked her many many times violently Um, she got mentally abused um, physically she was abused uh, you know by the hands of of her brothers so this was a hellish situation she was going through I mean in this in this little town in Idaho you know in the mountains um, this must have been a terrible uh, experience for a teenage girl right yes Uh as you said it perfectly, that must be a hellish situation for a teenage girl. But I'm not sure that it's necessary only with Mormonism. I know of girls who were Afghan girls, actually, who were brought up in Denmark and the Netherlands or in other countries, uh, Western countries, with similar issues, where they get beaten up by their brothers of chatting with a school uh, friend. 
not al- allowed to go to basic uh, fitness and health uh, classes, basically, because they have to wear shorts, and that is not allowed. Uh, the girls, as soon as when they're kids, uh, they're okay, and they're the sweetheart of the brother or of the father. But as soon as they start to become a teenager and become a young adult, then they're looking down upon, and they, all they have to do is basically being covered until they find someone to marry them off with. Yeah, it's that controlling attitude takes that over. That controlling, right? but mm, I think you're discounting it. It's not only controlling, it's abusive. Well, it's abusive because it's controlling. Well, I think controlling can, yeah, well, put it like that. But I think it's it's a bigger issue than just controlling uh, because they take every sense of a girl's individual being. It becomes about, now in this case, about the religion, about the survival, about anything else. And also, let's not forget, uh, which we're going to talk more about, I know, next year. But uh, let's not forget that a lot of Afghan men's honor are dependent on the length of the skirt of their sisters or wives or mothers, right? Because we are comparing Tara's story with Afghan and, and Taliban. Yes, but if you... Let alone Taliban be, we said they're the extremists. In the normal Afghan household, and a lot of times, it is, well, I would say in, in, in the majority, Tara's situation is quite normal. Maybe not with the medical help. They will seek medical help, so that part is not. But the part of being accused because you're a girl or being accused of, uh, well, her brother calls her also terrible names, that's also something. Being beaten up by brother, that's a normal thing. I've heard girls talking about it as if that, oh my God, that's so normal. And whenever they allow themselves to have a boyfriend or husband, they actually think that the husband and boyfriend cares and love them, depending on how controlling or how abusive they are. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's, it's such a mean cycle that never yeah. gets bre- well, broken. I think it's called the Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, well, you no. can say it, but uh, and it then they give the same thing to their daughters. Yes, and uh, this is how cultural norms and 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 values and and all these you know ab- abusive attitudes um, towards women and and females generally, how this gets transferred, right? And it's true, true culture. Exactly, and also Tara's story is so extraordinary because she, as a young girl took responsibility to break the chain herself a lot of girls do not have that courage yes so i guess in you know in the current climate and and in light of what we have been discussing about um, namely education now now it seems like really i mean we need to talk about what's been happening in afghanistan with uh, with the latest news um about uh, you know the Taliban's war against education and against girls and women generally, since uh, they now also can no longer work, uh, go outside uh, without being accompanied by a male or a so-called mahram. Uh, they can't go to parks. Uh, all these things are um, no longer permitted. You know, if, if you're a female right now uh, in a country such as Afghanistan, I would say you are living as a female in the worst country in the world also uh, after the taliban returned uh, to power in august 2021 they shut down schools for girls uh, i believe it was over the sixth grade um, if i'm not mistaken effectively banning women for you know from getting an education um, afghanistan is the only country as far as i know in the world 
that has uh, that has such a ban on primary education, um, and obviously it is devastating uh, for 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 the people of this country, and it has also horrible consequences for everyone, uh, for the families, and for the country's future. Um, and here is just a number of headlines, you know, that I um, uh, was able to find just before this um, uh, recording this episode, um, just in the f- past few months, uh, regarding the ban on girls' education uh, by the Taliban in Afghanistan. So the LA Times writes, um, a year in, the Taliban escalates its war against girls' education in Afghanistan. This is a headline from LA Times. Then we have Guardian, which says, hypocrisy are a reason for hope, question mark. Um, the Taliban who send their girls to school, so this is what we talked about already, um, Talibs, you know, the elites sending their own girls to places like Doha, Qatar, or Pakistan for education. Okay, So the VOA, uh, Voice of America and BBC, um, they also have a headline, uh, Taliban bar women from pursuing certain university subjects. Now that's interesting. Taliban considers certain subjects, such as engineering um, and a couple of other uh, subjects, uh, they consider these to be haram for girls, believe it or not. Um, also, according to their Ministry of Higher Education, uh, whenever I say this, you know, Ministry of Higher Education, <laughs> it's, it's so ironic. It's, you know, just a job title. It's just funny. Um, uh, so they, they have banned women from universities for not observing Islamic dress rules and other Islamic values. This is their main uh, argument for, for doing this. Um, saying that you know female students are traveling without a male guardian, all these things, which is obviously a total BS, because they already had applied gender segregated classrooms, right? Mm. Um, and then there is another one from UNICEF. Um, it says depriving girls of secondary education translates to a loss of at least five hundred million dollars for Afghan economy just in the last 12 months. So there you go with the impact on the economy when you deprive 50% of your country from having a job. So according to the Talibs, I mean, they ban girls' education based on religious principles. And I think it's more than that. Uh, It is a combination of tribal, religious, political, um, social, and cultural codes of conduct ask me. Um, Taliban are not merely extremists. I know that people have been saying this for a long time, but they are, just like the Mormons that we have been discussing, part of a worldview that looked down upon education, upon modernity, about progress, human rights, democratic values, all these things are totally against their own values. Um, And according to the Talibs, uh, women's purpose in society is to grow up chastely, so basically, you know, no sexual intercourse, uh, uh, marry, and and that's really because of you know some sort of a romance, obviously not, um, birth children, and also marry and a really really like marry children, because yes, they believe exactly. that you should be fourteen or as soon as you get your first period, you should get married. Yes, that's so that's, that's when we say married, not among even if it's arranged marriage, it's not among two adults. It's basically a these are child marriages, obviously, m- like mostly. Well, uh, men are mostly not child, so it's a paraphile. You can yes, obviously, that's pedophilia is, is quite common. It seems to me 
among a lot of people in countries such as Afghanistan. Okay, yeah. so um, and then you know, as a woman, you're just expected okay, birth children as many as possible. Obviously, uh, there's no family planning involved here. Um, you know, while maintaining the household, you know, with cooking and cleaning and all, all the domestic you know uh, duties uh, that comes along uh, with it. And so there's schooling, which could open the door to job opportunities and employment outside of the home. All of this threatens this very traditional Talib mindset. You see, so it's not just that they are extremists. There is a lot more to being a Talib than just being an extremist. Um, Isn't that heartbreaking that it controls a whole nation and the fate of so many girls? So many girls with dreams. Um, I'm not educated enough on Islam, to be honest, because I see on Twitter and other social media platforms that they're discussing whether this is the real Islam or not. And I'm not educated, but that should not matter. Education should be the basic right for every child because it helps a person, as we see in Tara's story as well, to study new things with new skills. Regardless of your religious beliefs, Education should be, if not already, a right of every single human being. Okay, that's so, perfectly set. Right. So, if if your religion is telling you education should uh, should be banned, your religion is wrong. See, so there is something wrong about your worldview and about your beliefs. I would also say, if your religion tells you that women are less equal than men, then your religion is wrong too. So it's it goes yes. beyond that. Right. So basically, you know, when, when, whenever I think there is a contradiction between your belief systems and certain rights that we all have now, by now, in the 21st century, um, accepted to be basic human rights, education is one of them, obviously employment is another one, things like this. If, you're, if your belief system is telling you that, you know, there is a contradiction going on here, uh, you need to adjust your mindset, no. Your mindset is probably correct. Yeah. It's your religious ideas that need um, an update, right? That is so spot on, my man, because I also believe that, you know how uh, Talibs have been saying that we saved Afghanistan from the foreigners, from the Westerns who tried to occupy us and we cannot be occupied, blah, 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 all of that, right? But this shows clearly, and you also mentioned some research that, they're not interested in Afghanistan's well-being. They're not interested in a country's well-being. How can you... Uh, for me, it's so contrary to think that I don't believe in women's equality and women's education as the bare minimum. And still, I'm interested in the growth of a society that that never goes together. I think they're there for their gains. They see it as a headquarter of all kind of um, terrorist activities, basically. And yes, but this goes back again to this notion of being an extremist and just being interested in... in um, you know, blowing things up and uh, raising terrorists. I think it, this is just part of the story. If we want to know the Talib mindset, you need to really, really study their behavior, their belief systems, their doctrines. And I think you need to take everything, the whole worldview into account. Uh, when you ask yourself, especially as a Westerner, if you, if you have this question, why are they doing what they're doing? It is not enough to just label them as extremists. This is my point. No, and that's correct. But I'm just thinking of all the girls and uh, women who 
are at home right now in Afghanistan without with a dark future. If we want to, in the West, understand what that's like, we should just recall the years of COVID. It was so difficult for everyone, but still we were not discriminated as women. Actually, there is research shown that in COVID, even women were hit harder. But imagine being home without being allowed to go outside, because if you go outside, you're flocked. Yes, that's that's 100% true. And I personally have difficulties imagining girls and women right now uh, being imprisoned by their own leaders, by the very people who need to protect them, protect their rights, protect their freedoms. They are doing exactly the opposite of all of that, right? While being hypocrites at the same time, since they're allowing their own girls and boys to get in full education, you know? So this is painful, not just for the people outside, but especially for the people inside, because they too know that they're dealing with hypocrites over there. And if I may add, I honestly think that, you know, banning women um, from education and work is a crime against humanity. I truly believe that. Um, And I echo that. That is a crime against humanity. But we should also start to think about, and maybe that helps a little bit Tara's story, what can we do to help? Because we can condemn and we can talk and we can tweet all we want about it. But what can we actually do to help? And maybe in Jade uh, Maivan, we can use it as a platform to uh, suggest some classes. And, uh, and actually, there's a lot of girls, Afghan girls out there, who's trying their best to find some online courses, internet access, and so on. Let's try to see what we can do to help as uh, in this podcast as well. Yes, and I fully agree. I think this podcast is also for things like that, to come up with ideas, with solutions. You know, I love uh, people who, when they encounter trouble, when they encounter difficulties in life, and we already discussed, and you mentioned Friedrich Nietzsche, who who was basically thinking in similar terms, um, one should not be a defeatist. One should not only complain about the world, you know, because it seems to me that hardships are part of life as well. So when that happens, what if we collectively also think about ways to get out of the situation that we are in? You know, sometimes it is the toughest thing to do. And, you know, the toughest things are the things that you need to think about when you... um get in a situation where hopelessness is the only thing that occupies your mind. So I wonder what that say to all the listeners of Jade Maivan, and I know most majority are Afghans uh, living in the West. I want to, if you have any, just a little bit of a solution for it, or if you have any platform, please, please DM us on Instagram and on Twitter, on emails. I'm sure you, they can find all the links. And we are happy to see how we can collaborate and how we can help. And if nothing else, then at least we can share it so more people know about it. Yes, and uh, And I echo that as well. So, um, dear listener, uh, whether Afghan, non-Afghan, if you think that in any sense this podcast or myself as a host or Farah as my dearest co-host can help, uh, we are here 
for you uh, to uh, to help out. So, and I know that people have been doing amazing things. I have been following uh, people on Twitter and other places and platforms. Uh, people who actually think in terms of solutions and not just you know in terms of problems. So, uh, which is great. And um, I'll try to put out, you know, uh, their work and what they have been sharing. I'll share that um, in the links and in the description for everyone to read and uh, to go to these sites and to these places and try to basically do something about the situation, uh, you know, so. And also, I want to add uh, one more thing on this, Myron, is that I've been asked to have a point of view and say something about uh, everything that's going on in Afghanistan and uh, I've even been uh, condemned of not saying anything because I don't feel or I, I'm, I'm not uh, engaged or I don't think. I just want to for the record say to you and also to the listeners that it's okay that you are overwhelmed by what's going. It's so heartbreaking that you don't even have a word to say. Take that time of grief and that's what I'm doing. I'm taking that time to grieve. Because whatever solution and hope, I know that right now, as we speak, there are girls and boys there who will not be able, and especially girls, who will not be able to get that last degree, that last exam. And to understand the impact, if you understand the impact fully, and if you understand what that means, well, of course, different people react different way, but for me, it leaves me in a state of speechlessness and, and heartbreaking, and I can... Yes, in a, in a state of shock. I in mean, that's, that's shock. a normal human response. So, that, so, so if if people and that I want to say to to people around me and but also other people, maybe as you know, when something happens, some people respond with anger and some people respond with um, solution. And I know that in Afghan society, that's something that I've always been in trouble with because when I'm really truly heartbreaking, I just get silent. I have nothing to say about it and I distract myself from it. And that's because not because I'm not hurting. And I'm hurting, uh, I must say, I'm an Afghan girl myself. I was born in that country. Imagine it was by luck that I came to Denmark in a, such a young age uh, that I, I could pursue education. And I must say, I've truly enjoyed That's why I didn't take one but two. But it was just by chance. I could have been that girl in the university today or I could have been that girl who would love her job and enjoys her work and her colleagues and is all of a sudden not allowed to go there. No, I fully agree. And I think we have mentioned this before and I think we are coming from a privileged position, whether we like it or not. I mean, it could have been us right now there. But, you know, I guess circumstances and chance and luck, all of that plays a role here. And so here we are. I'm here talking from, you know, beside a microphone and I'm trying to do my part. And I hope and I wish that this happens collectively. This happens across the world. There are millions and millions of Afghans in the diaspora. There are also millions inside the country. They're, I think, capable, able. And I also believe that they're willing to do something back and to come up with solutions uh, for a lot of these problems. And as you said before, I think every single one of us, you know, we react and respond and behave uh, differently to what happens in our circumstances, right, across the world. And yes, there's shock. Um, and there is, uh, you know, a moment of grief that we all have to accept in our own lives. And so after this period, 
maybe it's about time to think about how we can get out of this situation we are in um, as Afghans, but also as, as non-Afghans. Because I always think whatever happens in Afghanistan, as you know, like if one thing we have learned in the last hundred years uh, of history in the region, but also across the world, is that it never just remains in that country. It spells over. Yeah. You know, whether it is refugees coming to places like the West, uh, you know, ending up in the shores of, of, yeah. of several countries, or it is a terrorism that yeah. gets, you know, exported to our, uh, towards the world, you know. So it's either refugees or planes, be, you know, crashing <laughs> into buildings. So we should be extremely careful if we think that that region is no longer interesting. Because every single time we say that and we do act like that, uh, it is as if we have not yet learned our lessons. Now we, True. yeah, so we have talked about, you know, Tara's life. And since I think we have an opportunity here, and I think I'm lucky to also have you on the show, uh, which doesn't happen too often. Uh, but so I would like to um, actually talk a little bit about the importance of education itself, because we talked about a lot of things here, right? Um, but why is education such an important issue, you think? So, first of all, education, I uh, believe education is not only what you learn in uh, universities. It's, as you said earlier, interacting with the world. Mm -hmm. I think education helps a person to study new things with new skills and learn about the facts of the world. Education plays an important role in the protection of women's rights because if you don't have education then actually not only women's rights, all kind of rights you can mention, as we discussed earlier. An educated woman, especially, has skills, information, talent, and self-confidence that makes her a better mother, employee, and a resident of the country. Women constitute almost half of our population. They need equal opportunities to contribute to the development of the country. And also, we should also remember that women are the first uh, caregiver of the children. So with their education and wisdom, that's also shaping the child's life. So I would say education is important to be empowered, to think, to be uh, free as an individual, to free yourself from all kind of biasness, whether it's yours and whether it's the society's. We all know that when we are born, we don't choose the country, the parents, the place we are born. And these things shape a certain biasness to us. And I think education is the way to helping. And when I say education, bear in mind, I'm not only talking about university degrees. Of course not. Education is can be traveling around the world, seeing the world, but being free. Yes, no, I, I think it's true education, after all, that we find freedom and can live an authentic life. I mean, that's what I truly believe education can do for you, right? Um, and also, you know, as you said, I mean, education is the key to success, or at least it can be. I mean, it's not guaranteed, obviously, um, but it, it gives us all sorts of opportunities, right, in our lives, and it has many advantages, I mean, needless to say. But, um, for instance, it sharpens our minds, right, um, and it allows for deeper and better thinking if education is done properly, uh, obviously. Um, what is education is is really, I mean, an interesting and a philosophical question as well, uh, I, I would say. 
um, you know, there is usually a misconception about um, what it means to be educated. You said already, you know, you don't have to have a PhD in order to be educated. Uh, and this is especially true about, uh, you know, among my fellow Afghans, I would say. Um, education is not how well we can read and write or speak. I mean, any moron can learn to read and write, right? Um, but whether we can communicate with the world um, and understand the world around us, that's what, you know, the key to success and key to getting a proper education should look like. Um, so, you know, a good education not only teaches us skills, but it also helps us to broaden our horizons, right? Um, it helps us gain better perspectives. It teaches us to think for ourselves. Uh, and probably most importantly, it encourages critical thinking. And this is quite crucial, right? Um, you know, being doctors, engineers, all these things, you know, it does not automatically make us better human beings. Um, contrary to what my fellow Afghans mm -hmm. would say, right? Um, in order to become better human beings, we need to teach ourselves empathy and compassion, among other things, obviously. These are key learnings for any human being, right? If you're an engineer or a doctor and you don't know how to empathize and you have no compassion towards your human beings, you are not just a lousy doctor and an engineer, right? You missed uh, a very important component of your education. See? Um, that is very spot on, my man. I think that uh, without compassion, I would even go so far and say that an engineer or a doctor's work can be done better by AI. We know that by now, right? What is that one factor that you can bring? That is your compassion and empathy. And if you don't ha have that with your fellow human beings, then yeah, your education is worth nothing, if you can put it that right. way. Right. I mean, at, at least, I mean, you, you're probably, you know, you can build bridges. Yes, you can treat diseases. But how you do these things matter as a human being, right? You're, you know, if you're a machine, no one cares. But if no. you're a human, then empathy and compassion needs to be there as part of your worldviews uh, about how, how, how you do your job, who you are as a human being and what kind of education you have enjoyed in your life. So, and I think, you know, education, you know, it kind of helps us, you know, feel and behave in a way that contributes to our success, to our well-being, and it improves, you know, not only our personal satisfaction, but it also helps our communities. This is also education, right? It is not a selfish pursuit, if you know what I mean. No, of you know, course not. You're getting your degrees is not just you getting a degree, but if you're not thinking in terms of doing something back, you know, giving back to the community that you, you know, you're, you're uh, coming from, then I think it goes back to what we just said about empathy and compassion. You're missing that side of as well. And so in that case, you're just being a selfish doctor or a selfish engineer. So obviously, I mean, education develops our personalities, you know, our thoughts. It helps us deal uh, with other human beings and it prepares us for, um, uh, for life experiences, I would say. And, um, you know, needless to say, but everyone is entitled to have an education. You know, um, we have said this before, and, and this goes, you know, from cradle to grave. Uh, this, this should be the case, you know, for every single human being. Um, you know, Afghans and non-Afghans alike, uh, you know, Mormons and non-Mormons, uh, Talibs and non-Talibs, all these 
categories. Um, without the proper education, there is no way one can have a good career and even self-confidence, right? These things are absolutely 100% connected. Education polishes our minds. Um, it reinforces our thoughts. I would say it has the potential to improve our behaviors towards others, uh, you know, towards our fellow human beings. It helps us understand the world around us, and it also exposes our own ignorance. Because if you are not, if if you're not educated or you haven't enjoyed an education, a proper one, how would you ever know what you don't know about the about life and about yourself? It is education that mirrors that, right? Job. It will tell you not what you know, but what you don't know. You see, so it exposes your ignorance in a way. Because without an education, uh, you wouldn't be able to know how ignorant you are. That is spot on. I think you said it very beautifully. And I echo that, definitely. And besides, it's a very well-known uh, fact that um, self-confidence is, uh, is generated through education. And education makes us view obstacles as challenges to be overcome. So, you know, and finally... Uh, just to kind of wrap up about education and everything else, I mean, uh, and we said this already a few times, but it definitely 100% sharpens our critical skills. Yeah. And critical thinking is absolutely important in, in every human life. Uh, because why? Why is it important? I, I think because it helps us realize our true potentials, right? Who we are as humans, uh, what we can achieve in life. It gives us opportunities. Um, and it provides us financial stability. We already said this. Right. I mean, if you deprive 50% of your population from getting an education, what do you think would happen to your economy? I mean, just pure facts, right? Uh, there won't be any income. Uh, so there, uh, there goes your financial stability as a family, but also as a society. Um, it gives us tools uh, to empower ourselves and our communities, and it encourages thinking outside the box, right? That's also what education does. And it allows us to experiment with new ideas. Right, whether in a classroom or outside of a classroom. Uh, it helps us achieve our dreams and become, hopefully, successful human beings. Now, Tara's story is a good case in point. Right? I think you would agree with me. Correct. Um, the importance of education, I think, cannot be stressed enough. So, <laughs> you know, that's why uh, this, um, this long monologue, no, in a sense... You're very but, passionate about it. Uh, my apologies for that. <laughs> Um, so is there anything uh, you wanted to add regarding, you know, the nature, the purpose of education or anything else I, I just said about uh, this whole topic? I think you said it very beautifully and I echo that. Uh, I think you gave, uh, you, you, you said it from all perspectives. So I will not make the podcast even longer by giving my monologue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... I think this is a great way to end this episode of Katapani Jode Maiwant. I personally enjoyed this and I'm already looking forward uh, to our next show together. Um, from what we have talked about today, from Tara to Talib, from Islam <laughs> to Mormonism, and from the importance of education uh, to war against education. Uh, does all of this remind you perhaps of a song? First of all, it's my pleasure. It's always nice to talk to you about uh, books, ideas, and uh, yeah, explore new ideas maybe. And I'm also looking forward for the next one already. I know which book we are going to discuss because as I can understand that I will be the presenter of the book. So I've already, of course, thought about 
um, a book. Yes, that's I already said it. You have a great <laughs> taste for books, so. <laughs> well, uh, there's two things. If you could guess about the next book, uh, could you guess it? Let me see. Uh, a successful, powerful, influential female, uh, and it is probably has something to do with. Um, some sort of a feminism or a feminist outlook. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, well, since I'm going to read Ruin the books, uh, get ready to listen about all the different strong women who I personally uh, am very much inspired by. But I also think that we should hear about them. So you've probably all he- heard about Viktor Frankl. Uh, I have. But... <laughs> And probably the listeners who have been listening to the podcast may have heard of him as well because I've talked about him a lot of times, a couple of these episodes, I think. Yeah. That is spot on. But there was also a female who wrote her memoir, was inspired by him, who I believe you failed to mention. Mm. And uh, it's a book called The Gift. Actually, there's two books. It's called The Gift and The Choice. It's also a memoir but it's also a story of an extraordinary girl. Like, uh, when I hear about that, or when I think about that, I already now get goosebumps. And who is the author? It's Edith Edgar. Edith Edgar. Well. I'm looking forward to discuss that with you next time. And that's also your homework to read it. I know you've already read it, because that's how it goes with books among between us that uh, some books are so important that uh, we basically force each other to read it yes i would say you know these books <laughs> that you mentioned um i mean they are modern classics already so exactly. I, I think they're great books and i think that's a great choice um so you did not answer my question i said was any of this actually reminding you of a song for me it actually reminds me of leslie gore's song I would like to take the liberty to read a little part of the song. Oh, that would be great. Yes, <laughs> well, go I'm for it. I'm going to butcher it because as I've heard that I don't have the best uh, singing voice. It basically says that you don't owe me. I'm not just one of your many toys. You don't owe me. Don't say I can't go with other boys. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to say. And please, when I go out with you, don't put me on display. Cause you don't own me. Don't try to change me in any way. You don't own me. Don't tie me down because I will never stay. I don't tell you what to say. I don't tell you what to do. So let me be myself. That's all I ask of you. Well, that's a great way to wrap up the show. I enjoyed this conversation very much. And I hope our listeners enjoyed listening to us as well. Please do not forget to like and share your favorite shows. Um, This helps us grow and it encourages us to make better shows in the future. I wish you all a happy new year and thank you all for listening. Ta ba nomi ayinda, khodayar negahdar.